name is Jay, and I've got a fluffy beard, and I wear spiky caps. <laughs> Hello, Jay. Hello, definite Jay. I guess that makes me Gaz. Yep. And I have long hair, but not anymore, because I cut it off. Yep, that's true. Correct. That was that was just as good as my one. I know. Almost. Almost. So, guys, you guys were expecting a Talk Nerdy to Me episode. You're not getting one. Long story short. It's on. Getting it's us a, instead. Getting us. Which is a, a minor upgrade or downgrade, depending on how you look at it. We are Tell Me Again. You might have listened to us before, if you have. Hello. If I not, love you if you have. Where the fuck have you been? We are hilarious. <laughs> as you'll find out. Yes, as you're about to find no out doubt. over the course of the next hour. I'm not sure how, how Jay feels about us hijacking his podcast, but, you know. What's him? What's he gonna do? Fuck him! Yeah, I Fuck mean, him. you're you're Jay for today, so I am. I'm with spiky hats, and what else does Jay do? That's it. That he's just a spiky hatted, bearded man. Spiky hatted, bearded man. That is his whole thing. <laughs> Don't tell him that though. <laughs> break his little heart. His little spiky heart. Yeah. So we are here today to review the the reason we're here. By the by the way, I'm not Jay. I'm Pete. Um, that <laughs> is not yeah. Gaz, that is Dan. We should probably introduce ourselves properly. I am Dan, that is Pete. We are filling in. <laughs> against. Uh, we're like guest hosts, apart from guests are usually invited. We have just forced yep, We are both filling in Jay and we're filling in Gaz simultaneously. We are. And there's nothing rude to read into that. <laughs> it just is what it is. But we are here today because on our podcast, usually on Tell Me Again, which you should go and listen and follow to, uh, after this hmm. podcast is concluded, we usually con- and tell me again pod. By the way, it is on on so- the social on the socials. We usually compare an original piece of media to a remake. So, for example, our last one was Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, the book versus the film. What we're doing today is a review because me and Pete have read the new, newest, the old newest Star Wars High Republic book, Light of the Jedi. Yeah, it was it was the it was the launch it's the launch book I think, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. The first one of the of the kind of new timeline kind of thing or, or era of the timeline. And we wanted to talk about it, but it's not been remade yet because it's like less than <laughs> 6 months old. So we challenged Jay and we said we want to do a review and he said no. So we said, well, we will just take over your podcast for the day because it doesn't fit with our formula. Yeah, we said fuck you Jay and we took his podcast away from him. <laughs> we did. And he's not getting it back. Until we decide no. that you can have it back. <laughs> so what we're doing is we're gonna we're gonna review it. We're gonna give it a mark out of ten at the end. We're gonna abide by the talking editing to me rules with the grading because we may as well follow one rule. Yeah, we don't want to piss them off that bad. <laughs> we want to piss them off a good amount, but like a rock star <laughs> amount, not like a politician amount. It's like it's an it's an amount that we can apologise for afterwards. Yeah, it's always best to beg for forgiveness than seek Instead permission. Of permission. There we That's go. That's the one. I, I thought That's I'd said that the wrong way around. We live our lives by. <laughs> it's always best to beg for permission than look for forgiveness. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to live my life by that rule. I think you should. But yeah, and we, the thing that I'm looking forward to most is because there is not a movie or TV show of this yet. We're going to do a fan cast about, you know, roughly halfway through the episodes. You have to stick around for it. You can't just hear that and leave. <laughs> don't be don't be skipping around the episodes. Well, you told them it's it. roughly halfway now. Well, that, that might have been a red herring. Or a red space we'll herring, as they get right now. In Star Wars. <laughs> um, so, I mean, we've been speaking about it a lot lately, and we've nearly spilled the beans a few times because I'm so excited to reveal my castings. Yeah, and I, know. I, and I have a very, uh, a very rogue one. <laughs> that's going to be. Uh... <laughs> that's going to be quite divisive, I think. But I think it's a good casting. But anyway, let's. Uh... Oh shit! Oh, we're getting some interference here on the uh, on the broadcast. 
I can't hear. I can't. I can't hear you. I, uh, what the fuck is going on here? Um, hi, hi Jay. Jay. No, don't, don't you hi Jay me. What do you think you're playing at? Uh, making a podcast, mate. Yeah, on my channel. You have a keen grasp of the obvious. Ha ha ha! Whatever this is, it's over. I'm taking control back right now. <laughs> you're welcome to try, Boomer. Oh, I am. Any second now. Are you stalling for time? No. He definitely is, Dan. Cut him off. Cutting him off. Don't you dare cut me off. If if you cut me off, you will rue the (laughs) day. He's not happy. (laughs) Bloody hell. I didn't know he'd be able to do that. I thought this was a secure connection, but apparently he can can at least try to get in. Maybe the whole forgiveness angle is... uh, Is moot at this point. Maybe that's jumped... Yeah, that's jumped ship. Yeah, he's pretty fuming. We might have to get on with this before he uh, before he tries again. Oh, he'll, shit. He'll, he'll ruin our flow, and I'm not <laughs> I'm not having that happen. And if there's anything that I hate more, it's my flow getting ruined. <laughs> Same in all areas of life. <laughs> so let's dive in, Pete. What did you think overall of Light of the Star Wars High Republic: Light of the Jedi by Charles? Sewell? Sewell. That's how I'm choosing I have the to book pronounce in front it. Of me. Yes, Chelsea. <laughs> um, oh, that was the book falling over. For it's a, it's a chunky that. boy. Uh, I loved it. I thought it was great. I thought it was uh, a bit uh, a big amount of fun, and uh, I liked it quite a lot. Yeah, I think that the, the new era, 200 years before the Phantom Menace, it's a it's a nice time to explore. Um, I think I, th- I think it's not so far away that it can't connect in any way to the Skywalker saga that we all know and mostly love. Mostly hate, yeah. actually. Um, <laughs> but mostly hate think, thinking about it, um, so it's not so far away like something like um, doing an Old Republic book might be. So the, the Old Republic is like 5,000 years or so before yeah, uh, Phantom Menace. So, so it's, it's close enough to still feel connected, Relevant. but not so close that that it has to connect, if if that makes any sense. Like Yo, I feel Yoda like I'm still in the same world. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, he he gets spoke about quite a lot. He gets mentioned loads, doesn't he, Yoda? He, he shows up very, very briefly. He doesn't, at the yeah, very, very I think end. his appearance is so kind of, like, negligible. It has almost no effect on the story. Yeah. And I was expecting... I was To be honest, I was almost hoping... I'm glad that he didn't now. I was expecting them to lean on him a lot more, because like, they'll be like, oh, that, no one really knows these mm. new characters. We'll kind of... Uh, gradually introduce them to these new, char- new characters via Yoda because they, they they know Yoda and this funny little yeah. green voice and that they love him. <laughs> and that's what I was thinking they were going to do, but no, they mention him like once or twice as like throwaway references, and then he's there. At yeah, the he's, for the... he's on sabbatical from the council, isn't he? Yeah, uh, he's training some younglings, and then at the very very last scene, it's like, oh, Yoda's here, and that's it. Doesn't then, have a line. Da, 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 da. <laughs> <laughs> Written and directed by George Lucas. Um, uh, yeah, what did you think of it? Same, sense. same. I really liked it. I, to be honest, I misheard when it was set when I first heard about it because I, I must have heard. I thought it was seven hundred years before the first film, and the reason okay. I thought that is because I must have heard that Yoda is seven hundred years old because it's two hundred years before. Oh, I see. So I started reading it, and I was like, "Oh, okay. Um, I'm not going to know anything because it's like hundreds of years before." And the, the main thing I was on the lookout for was like any kind of regression in technology. 
which I know we've okay. we've spoken about before on on our official podcast when we're not stealing other people's podcast. <laughs> I think we, we we've done an episode on Star Wars: Phantom Menace, and we was, we spoke about it, the difference in, in in sci-fi terms between Star Wars and Star Trek. One is very much science fiction in Star Trek, and Star Wars is very sci-fi. And the progression of technology in Star Trek is like such a benchmark of where you're up to in the timeline of the show. Star Wars, everyone has always had the same technology. Everyone has always had access to space travel. The only regression I could yeah. find in this was that the some of the droids projected onto the walls instead of making a hologram. That's all I could find. Yeah, and uh, that that's a good point. And in, in some regards, the technology seems to be better than it is in, for example... Uh, the sequel era, yeah. Like, for example, the way that the Jedi vectors are described mm-hmm. sounds incredibly high tech compared to how my my interpretation of what a Jedi starfighter is from the Clone Wars or Episode Three or something like that. I disagree. I think the vectors, which are the Jedi's new ship. If, by the way, if you if you haven't read the book, there's going to be tons of spoilers in this. I don't know why you'd be listening if you spoiler klaxon haven't read it. But uh, the vectors in the in the light of the Jedi to me feel like very basic ships because but they they make them that way. They, manu- they manufacture that because they know Jedi are going to be using them and they are very reliant or or very adept at using the Force. So they don't need a lot of equipment to kind of stabilize the ship or be particularly. Um, you know, they don't need help controlling it. Whereas the Starfighters, to me, in like the prequel era, look much more technology-reliant. Maybe, actually. I, I guess I guess the, the, the thing that had me thinking that was uh, a, a, what I think is really cool, and it's because I love video games, and it's a very video gamey feature, that uh, the Jedi, uh, to control these vectors, they plug their lightsabers in to like mm. the control console and then whatever colour their lightsaber blade is, the hood on the screen <laughs> flashes up yeah. that. Which I think is super fucking cool. And that is the light of the Jedi. It is, as it we, is. As we that learn. was a spoiler. <laughs> as as we learn several pages in, <laughs> several hundred pages in, the light of the Jedi is the, the hood on the spaceship. <laughs> no not though. A lot of the cool things I found was like the sequel trilogy of, of films is obviously much <laughs> maligned, Dis- disliked, or maligned, should we say? Um, but what previous, what following iterations of the stories of entries into the canon have done since then is take parts that were pretty cool and install them and pepper them throughout the timeline, so it doesn't seem too inconsistent. And they've done that a lot in this book. I feel. How so? Go on. No, I'm not disagreeing with you. But give me an um, example. I can't think... Well, this is a little bit further on, but it doesn't really matter because we're reviewing it in... Not reviewing it in chronological order. So light speed skipping is something that Poe Dameron just does out of nowhere in Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, yeah, right right at the very, very beginning. Um, It sounds to me like the Nile at the end are light speed skipping. Oh, with the Where they're just jumping from spot to spot through the paths, yeah. Yeah, I... Yeah, I thought that. Thinking about... um, about that light speed travel, there was one thing that I made a note of, um, where it says, but this is kind of going back to what you said about um, technology and that, because I think now that now that we've sort of got to the point about hyperspace, uh, it's it's reminded me that, um, that there's a there's a character in a, in Light of the Jedi called Veles Santeca, and he's he's like a light speed 
know it all, basically. Him and his husband <laughs> are like it's they a family know business isn't about it? hyperspace. Paths, yeah. yeah. Um That's yeah, a very so, cool so, style. So hyperspace way. highways. Um of being and, from and old he, money, do you not think? Say that again, sorry. It's a very cool Star Wars way of, of being from old money. Yeah, yeah. Basically s- selling uh, the the coordinates for hyperspace lanes so that you avoid all the asteroids and you avoid all the planets and the suns and, and, and all, that, that, all that shit. Yeah. He says, um, nothing can inter- interfere with a ship while in hyperspace. So when you're in hyperspace, you're in your own uh, hyperspace. Nothing else can... N- nothing else can join it's in like that its bubble own bubble. that you are in. Yeah, nothing else can join that bubble that you are in. However, in Solo, which is set some 230-odd years afterwards, 260-odd maybe, um, they get... The, the Millennium Falcon gets attacked by a Star Destroyer in hyperspace. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if this is just me thinking too much into it, or if... I mean, we all, being we all... able to interfere with hyperspace has changed in two hundred and fifty odd years, and you can actually join bubbles. No, because we we know at that point in the book that it's bullshit. Because the opening of the story is the legacy run being interfered with. Correct. So does that mean that the paths become like it's, everyone it, finds out about the paths? It's not that the, the rules of hyperspace have changed; it's their understanding of how hyperspace can go wrong has has changed. Exactly. Exactly. They understand so that on a deeper level. Exactly. So in two hundred odd years, are the pla- are the paths? Does everyone know about them? And so you can interfere with each other's bubbles. They know about them, but they probably don't know how to do it. The only the only reason that they, the Nile can do it is because they have Marie Santeca on retainer in a in a fucking, yeah. in a <laughs> in box a, with in tubes bubble. in. Yeah. That was such a sci-fi spin for me. That what have it? Yeah, having a, a woman in a. Oh, I mean, first of all, the, a, line, a, like, the line, the line, there's something wrong with hyperspace is straight out of a Star Trek episode. If <laughs> if, if, if you if you replace hyperspace with subspace. There's a layer of subspace, but then there's subspace distortions emanating from a wormhole off a port. It's sci-fi as hell, and the fact you've got a yeah. woman being kept alive by science, and they're just like pulling all these paths from her while she's got like dementia. That's way more sci-fi than any other Star Wars story I've experienced. That's a very good point because we we've made in uh, it, it would have been in our Star Wars episode we made a point that Star Wars can exist. It, it could exist not being set in. Space. It could. It could exist being set on Earth. In medieval times. Yeah, in medieval times, and the story would not be affected. Really, you'd, you'd change the names of everything, and you'd change your imagery, but the story would remain intact. You replace the lightsabers with swords. You replace the spaceships with uh, horses, etc., etc., yeah. and it still makes sense. However, at that point, uh, with the hyperspace pathways and the uh, the paths that uh, they have a, sci- Rowe a scientific has problem to, to solve. Yes, it, it it becomes quite sci-fi, and I quite like that. I didn't think it I did didn't fit in at Never all. In but, then he, but then equally, going back to what you said about light speed skipping, what Poe Dameron does, like you, you couldn't explain that away in some sort of medieval fantasy. You could. They world. dug a tunnel. <laughs> the first tunnel ever built, and they were like, how the fuck did he get from there to here without us seeing him? And how what the is that shit hole did he get from where he is to six <laughs> feet below us? <laughs> With nothing but a simple and then shovel. Then he took another tunnel and was both six feet below us and four feet to our right. How on earth did he do Witchcraft. it? Witchcraft. <laughs> Burn him. But yeah, the, What the, did you think of um, how the book was structured? 
moving on slightly. It took me a little while to get used to because I don't think there were two concurrent chapters that were you with the same set of characters. It dumped a lot of characters mm. on you because it was like a launch book for this new era yeah. of Star Wars. Um, so you didn't really get a lot of time with either one, but I think you got enough time with each one. Yeah, and, and it, I liked it, it, how it short the you. chapters were as well. I could I could snap through about ten chapters and not feel like it was a slog. Whereas the same yeah. amount of pages in any other book, it, it could be like you know three or four chapters. I'd be like, oh, I've been reading for hours. <laughs> it was very easy to read, wasn't it? And it, yeah. it it would very often jump you between characters within chapters as well. Like you'd maybe spend three pages with one character, and then it it it'd skip to five pages with another, and all of that would be within the same chapter. Yeah. Um, as well as earlier on in the book, I I thought it's it's split into three different parts, and the first part is um. The Hetzel disaster. So that's where the ship breaks up in hyperspace, and bits of it are flying out at uh, at the Hetzel. Um, Hetzel Prime. Uh, I do love Hetzel, the setup. Hetzel Prime. The setup of Hetzel Prime. We've got Hetzel Prime, which is like a farming planet, and then the, then the rooted the rooted moon and the fruited moon, which is just fun to say because yeah. you've got yeah. different rooted crops. and fruited. So agriculture society across like a planet and two moons, basically. Also, the origin of Bacta, which is like a hell of an entry into the. Yeah, new yeah. Star Wars canon. Yeah, because that—that's what they're using. There's me- as medis- That's what. Uh, that's the the tank that Darth Vader's in. in yeah. In Rogue One, isn't it's it? Like, it's like a but miracle it, medicine. By the time like the main timeline comes around, but this is like, and it's a new technology in this. I thought that was really cool. They just drop yeah. it in so casually. <laughs> I know, um, but uh, yeah. So, so that part one I thought was was very Clone Warsy uh, in terms of how it jumped you between all of these characters trying to save Hetzel yeah. Prime, basically, in the Rooted and Fruited Moon. And it would jump you through lots of different, some smaller smaller rescues, some bigger rescues, yeah. of characters that don't contribute much else to the rest of the book. Some of them show up in various shapes or forms, but they don't really contribute too much to the rest of the book. I, I can disagree. Their their their, pre- their presence and what happens to them sets the tone for basically any character. And these are mainly all new characters, with the exception of Yoda, who's barely in it, as we said <laughs> as we said before. But the first two chapters are you've got the uh, the prologue of the legacy run with the captain. What's her name? She's she's piloting the legacy run through hyperspace to go to a new era of a new era of space to with the settlers. It's like had a cassette. Cassette. That's it. And. Um, you know, you spend like eight pages with her. You learn a lot about her, how she likes to run the ship like a military ship, and she has all these quirks, and she gets some of the little member of the crew, and then dead. But exactly, so that's that's but what I meant the, by it being Clone next... Wars. You learn a lot about of you learn a lot about a character in a very short space of time, and then you move on. No, but the no, but then else. the next chapter is the two people who are meant to be monitoring debris coming into the Hetzel system. Um, yeah. he, he builds that world a little bit. He's like, "Oh, I've got a date tonight with a Twi'lek," and she's like, "Oh, you know, pay attention to work, you network it," and then instantly dead. She's ready to fuck. And then, and then after that, every, every character is like, "Shit!" They keep introducing characters, then killing them. Is any character <laughs> safe? So you get really afraid to get attached to any of the characters. Like they're new, they could die. It's yeah, but I, I agree. But I'm not. I, I don't think I'm necess- I don't think that, ne- that necessarily disagrees with what I'm saying. That the the point that I was going to make was. Um, the storylines that involve, I've written the names down here, that involve, so, that, so there's one storyline in part one uh, involving Tiami, Mikhail Sutmani, Bibasek, and 
Joss and Pickett Arden. Is that Adrian? Is that, is, is, uh, Adrian that's their name. Yeah. So, so, so they they end up doing something quite big in that they discover that some of the debris uh, firing towards uh, the the planet and the moons mm-hmm. have people in, um, but they're not big characters. Other than that, like I they do that really and then they do cool nothing else. Two. I know they don't and do a it's, lot. It's cool and it's I'm, I'm on board with it. And Tiami ends up dying, and Sukmani comes back and later on in the the final battle and he's he's got beef and all that but the, they don't do much in maybe some other book or it it, it could very easily have been um elzar man that did that elzar man could very easily have been in there but elzar man doesn't actually appear until like part two part three yeah and he's gonna be this big huge character and then there's another story like a really little one that's actually quite a nice story of um is it captain bright Ensign Inman and Peoples yeah, yeah. on a solar array, which doesn't really go anywhere, but it just it goes to show that there are other people that are other other than Jedi. It makes you more invested who, in who the disaster. To, yeah, who are here, here to help, and that's a really small story. They're rescuing eight people on a solar array. Yeah, uh, that's another Captain sequel Bright thing peppered in as well. You've got what's Babu Frick's species names, one of them on the on the array, and they have to rescue it. Really. I, I, I people just like, oh, he's a little baby. He's like, he's not a baby. Save him. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love, I, I love people. It was great. Um, is it the characterization of these little characters as well? I, I thought was in such amazing. a short space of time as well. You knew them. They were really and, uh, well written. And uh, but that solar race story, I thought was going to go somewhere. It doesn't end up going anywhere, and they might explore it. But remember, they're on the solar array, and is it people's or Inman or one of them is like, oh yeah, no, there's there's eight life forms registered to be on board here eight life forms okay so let's go in let's look for eight people and then we'll bounce let's head but at the very very end uh captain bright finds a ninth person that isn't on the um the manifest that, is, that isn't on the manifest and i was like oh okay well this is setting something up maybe he's a bad maybe he's one of the nile or something like that nope doesn't go anywhere <laughs> i thought it was going to go somewhere it didn't maybe it will i don't think they advance the plot i think the little moments like that basically go a long way to saying that this era of the Republic is so, like, idyllic and selfless. Everyone's always out to help each other, mm-hmm. even if it means them dying. I think the little kind of flash-in-the-pan moments like that are there to reinforce that idea. Because, like, the Jedi yeah. are made out to be, like, this, like, almost godlike race. Like, they're, they're so... Yeah, they're like angels they're coming so down kind and the planet, yeah, they? Yeah, they they, they, they'll, they'll help when they can and stuff. And there's, there's no corruption about them like, like there is in in the prequels where they're being, you know, told what to do by the Republic. They're running yeah, alongside the Republic by this, that point, haven't they? But they're not they're not part of the Republic. They get asked to help and they go they are like, mm, maybe we will, maybe we won't kind of thing. Yeah, they have they have a council meeting and vote on it, don't they? Yeah. That's in the middle in the middle of the book. They have a council meeting and vote on it and they're sort of split uh I think what character are you with? I got um Jorah Marley, who is a a minor character in the other High Republic book that's currently out. Yeah. Um she becomes like the deciding vote, so five for yes, five for no, and then Jorah's like, yeah, let's yeah. do this. And, then she and, I, and I love that. So yeah, I think, yeah, that's, I think that's all to paint a picture of this Republic, High Republic being like heaven. Like everyone's so yeah. on board to help at any point, even if it means like you, huge risk to themselves. And also the and understanding between... Certain, go on. The understanding between just the everyday citizen and the Jedi, and like they don't get quite what they can do with the Force, but they know it's out of their comprehension and out of their skill set. And there's a the bit with the, the Adrens and that they're telling 
like um, Tiani and the other Jedi, and they're like, you know that force thing that you do? Can you use it to kind of like slow down that debris? And then we'll do our <laughs> part with the uh, with the tractor beam. Yeah. And he's like, yeah. like, like suggesting ways to use the force, and, and they're like, well, and yeah, it might Tiami work. and Mikel are like, I mean, yeah, but... <laughs> but not by much. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you've got, going back to the idyllic sort of look to, to this High Republic, You've got um, the Chancellor, you've got Lena So, and the only two Chancellors that we've known are Chancellor Palpatine and Sifo-Dyas, who is apparently... Sifo-Dyas was apparently incompetent. Of Valorum? And... Oh, no, not Sifo-Dyas. Um, that he's the, the clone the guy, isn't he? Commissions the I mean, clone. I meant Valorum, sorry. Uh, Valorum. So you've got Chancellor Valorum, who is apparently really incompetent and shit at his job. And then you've got Emperor Palpatine. Chancellor Palpatine, sorry, I'm jumping the gun there. That was definitely Spoiler, a smear campaign by, by Palpatine against Valorum. <laughs> yes, definitely, definitely. And then you've got Palpatine, who is darkness embodied. So to have this third new new Chancellor that we get introduced to, who is really fucking good at a job and, and really has wants wonderful to... massive tigers as pets. Sorry, <laughs> sorry space tigers. You, you could make an argument that they're trying to impose on a place that doesn't want them, but equally at this, on, on the same... Ticket, they aren't so much imposing as just existing. They're demonstrating the... how how being part of the Republic can benefit them. Yeah, they're not they're, annexing they're the existing. planets like the Empire do no. or anything like that or the First yeah. Order. They're existing next to the Outer Rim, and if the Outer Rim want to get involved, then they can. But yeah, and they'll I, welcome I, I, them I, in. Yeah, I, I, th- th- there's that, but it's. I think it's really cool. Yeah, I think it's super cool. I I, look, I, I can't wait to. To read more, like I've, there's a, another book that came out at the same time as Light of the Jedi, which is called uh, Into the Dark, which I've just finished. You haven't quite finished I've it yet. I barely finished it. It's very good. And and we're not going to talk about it we because won't. you might not have read it. Maybe we'll um, hack and talk nerdy to me again and do another maybe. review of that. Uh, but should we address the Jedi a little bit more closely? Maybe a couple of the individual ones. Yeah, because I think let's go for it. I, there's not really a main character in this book, but I see it as Avar Chris because she's on the front cover. But also, I think yeah. she's kind of intended to be because of her force power, which is basically acting as a conduit to link everyone together, which is also yeah. a bit of a cowardly power, but it's also needed, isn't it? Like, it, she can't fight and do that at the same time, and it does if make it, a If difference. it was an RPG, she'd be the support character that sat in the back and buffed everyone. <laughs> I don't know what that helped, means, but I'm sure helped, it's right. But basically made them fight better or made them fight more as a team. Okay. I also had Avar Chris as my main character. I had Avar and Belle as my two main characters. Oh, really? Uh, for this, yeah. So I, I, they're two disparate ends of the Jedi scale. You've got Avar Chris, who is this paragon. She's perfect, almost, apart from the fact that she fucks. And she shouldn't, because she's a Jedi. No, she doesn't anymore. I got the fact she did when she was a Padawan. Okay, okay. You've got Avar Chris, who fucked another <laughs> Jedi. Past which is tense. okay. She's allowed. She's, you know, she's... I think they even acknowledge that at one point. But... They say there's dalliances when you're a Padawan, but as soon as you're a Jedi... Yeah, in that... La- in that la- yeah. They don't encourage last, it, but uh, they know it happens, and then you stop. In her last point of view character, with her, uh, her chapter with Alzar, where you find out... That it reminds, very, it reminds me a little very bit Very likely of, romantically involved. Do you know what Rumspringer is for the Amish um, community? Nope. So before they are... Before they commit to the Amish lifestyle, like, full-time... They go on like an, an adventure called Rumspringer, where basically they, they can just go off, they can leave their community, they can do what they want, they don't have to abide by any kind of Amish principles. And then they oh, decide. Okay, so it's a bit like that film Hall Pass. 
<laughs> I mean, a little bit. It's a little bit more. <laughs> I mean, they can drink, you know, they, they don't have to wear certain clothes. They can just live how they want, and then it's up to them if they come back or not. It oh, feels, I see. Okay. It feels like a looser version of that for Padawans because of this book. Like, you can do what you want. Yeah. Don't get caught. Like, if you get caught, you'll yeah, be in yeah, trouble. Yeah. We'll look the other way. But Explore as soon as, soon as you're a Jedi, as soon as you, you come back to the Amish yeah. community... You have to explore uh, what life has to give you as a Padawan, but as soon as you're a Jedi Knight, that's it, you're in. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so so I, I had her as this paragon of a Jedi. She's she's per- she's she's a perfect Jedi, basically. She's incredibly powerful. She's incredibly wise. She's um, a good leader. Yeah, she's an amazing leader. On the flip side, you've got Bell, who is not useless by any stretch of the imagination, but he's he's young. He's eighteen. He really struggles with using certain aspects of the Force. Like he can't. Uh, his big thing throughout the book is that he can't break his like fall. slow himself down, but yeah. to to break his fall using the Force, which which comes back and he, he ends up managing to 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 cross that basically. But so, so you've got him who's like learning to be a Jedi. And on the flip, who on the flip side, you've got then Ava who has learnt how to be a Jedi. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought personally, th- those two are my those two are my main characters. I thought, although, like you said, there there are so many. You could you could say that Martian Rowe is a main character, yeah, because he gets so many point of view. So, so Martian Rowe is the main bad guy. It's quite episodic, could, uh, isn't he, it? He gets lots of, yeah, he gets lots of chapters uh, to himself. Yeah, uh, where you learn, like in any good Star Wars, you learn. To understand who the bad guy is and what makes him what makes him tick and why he's bad and is he bad probably yeah, yeah. I, lo- I love the yeah, fact no, that the he's obviously book, he's set up to bad. be the new big villain of this era and he's not a force user that we know of I mean he's pretty adept at that lightsaber he takes off Loden at the end so we don't know for sure you say he's adept <laughs> he just like slashes that poor farmer in two yeah but I'm sure some, it's mentioned that he seemed weirdly confident with it or some kind of line like that like that hints at the fact that maybe he has used one in the past but as far as we know he's not a force user but he's one of the main bad guys so I think that's quite refreshing Mm. I liked now now that we've moved on to talking about Martian can I just go quickly back to Avar Chris Avar Chris this is another thing of being peppered in from the sequels so a lot of people hated the fact that Luke could force project himself over such a long distance um, in yes uh, The Last Last Jedi Jedi. in Last Jedi Um, and yet, Ava Chris doing using it's a variant on a theme, but the hair force conduit. But she pulls in all the Jedi from like yeah, from all in, across the in the, the, in the surrounding area. She said she can sense Yoda from like all the Jedi on Coruscant are like mm-hmm. coming in and, and helping, and that's like the force use on on a scale yeah. I've never even read about or seen before. And I don't have a problem with it. Galaxy. I don't really have a problem with Luke's either, no. but. This is done in a much more no, tactical way because people they die doing it. Some of them try so hard they force themselves yeah, they, to death. They're, they're focusing so hard on what Avar's asked them to focus on that they crash their spaceship or they collapse or yeah, and they're selfless basically, yeah. completely. What the selfless. Jedi should be. Speaking of being selfless, let's talk about Fletcher Row. <laughs> it on its head and talk about uh, characters that are incredibly selfish, and that's the. The new bad guys for the High Republic, I imagine they're going to be the the big bad, yeah. Much like the Empire or the Separatists. I mean, you've got no, you've got no order. so there has to be someone else. Yes, the, the, as far as I'm concerned, there can't really be Sith because Kaidi says they've been. Ex- <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I had I had that in my head as well. But uh, the the Nile, which I was saying is that Nahil in my head until I googled it and realised that it's the first half of the spelling of nihilism. And I or was like, annihilate. Oh, wow. 
well, I feel really silly now. <laughs> Obviously, it's the Nile. There's a couple um, of words like that. Like, I was saying Avar Chris for a while, and then I read it again, and I was like, no, it's got to be Avar. Is it Avar? It sounds cooler. Yeah. It makes more sense to read it that way. Yeah. And there's a couple, like, uh, Marshawn Rowe, I don't know how to say, Kassav, stuff like that. But, um, yeah, you've got the... And Elzarman. Uh, Elzarman. <laughs> yeah. You've got, the, you've got the Nile, who are the big bads, and they're, like, um, they're the Vikings, basically. They're space Vikings. Space and they've pirates. got a very loose, yeah. They've got a very loose command structure of uh, three tempests. What are they called? Three tempests, who are basically the head of their own individual faction, but they decide on things together because it makes them stronger. If they if they all went their own individual way, they'd each be sixty six percent less powerful. Yeah. Even though they do their own thing, I love the also... whole structure of the Nile. The, f- the, f- the first chapter, the Nile came in. I was like, "Who's this?" And it was just describing the whole hierarchy of them with the, the strikes and the clouds and the storms. And I was like, "Oh, yeah. I don't care about this. Get back to the Jedi." But then, like <laughs> when, they, when the uh, chapter had ended, and I worked out the dynamic of you know they all have one vote each, but the I March and Row has two votes, so he can overrule them if uh, they can only overrule them if yeah. they all work together and stuff. And I was like, "Ooh, this is a really cool." kind of formula they've got going on here and I wanted more of it by the end of the first chapter and the fact they're, yeah. in, they're in no space they're, they're not even anywhere, they're in this hall with no walls but they're not suffocating which has yet to be explained but I'm totally on board with it, <laughs> it's like a, it's like yeah I'm, I'm, I'm imagining it as kind of like a big open Harry Potter, in my head, I'm imagining like the Great Hall well in my head it was like a big Viking longship in my head whether or not it's supposed to be it was like a big Viking, it's a hall Pete uh, longship, well yeah that's that's what they they, they turn about they turn the boat, they arrive on the upside down and they make it into a big house. That's what they do. I've been playing a lot of Assassin's Creed Valhalla this last week. I've seen it. <laughs> but no, that, that, that was my point. So it's it's this long ship, long haul style thing, but the walls are space. Yeah. So it's this big party hall, basically, that they all go to. But yeah, the walls are space. It's like a big air bubble yeah. kind of thing. And I love the idea of it. I can't wait to find out how you get there. Uh... Yeah, it'll be it's, via it's some cool. path that Mary Santeca has Some pathway, yeah, it'll be. Down. Who I imagined as, this isn't, this isn't in our fan cast at all, but I imagined Mary Santeca as Aunt May from the Sam, from the Sam Raimi <laughs> Spider-Man films. Because she's very skinny and old. And very old, yeah. I don't even know if she's still Fair alive, play. that actress. Is she still alive? I think she is. I think I googled it a bit Because, because I would have cast her like if we, if we were casting her and... That, that would have been my casting for Murray Santeca. Yeah, I think I googled her within a year of now, and I think she's still alive. What about the... Uh, I don't think she was as old in Sam Raimi's Spider-Man as, as she looks she was. and acts. Yeah. Put a scarf around anyone's head, they look 117 <laughs> years old. <laughs> um, what about like the, the change of like conventions of race... In in like well, first of all, the, like I think we've both spoke about this already. We were checking our phones every five seconds, every time there was like, oh, and then a Transocean came out. We're like, what's Transoceans again? Hey Google, what's a Transocean? Uh, and, yeah, and then so like, I knew, like, so and, 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 like oh, shut up, my my phone heard me say, hey Google. <laughs> um, yeah, so the fact you've and they're always associated with being good or bad. So like you've got a Transocean Jedi. Yes. Who is who is like Bosk's so, species? Who is a big lizard, basically? Which you would—they're just always associated with being evil because of lizards. You've got a Wookiee Jedi, yeah. um, which is a Boriaga. I love Boriaga's chapter where he yeah. is—he's is, speaking in English because it's from his point of view. But everyone's just like, and in his head, he's like, "What am I doing here? No one can understand me." Like all sulking, yeah, when, when he's on sulking the away to can. himself. 
That's taken yeah, from Solo as well, the way his master can speak Shiriwook to him. He doesn't, she doesn't speak yeah. English, she speaks Shiriwook back to him. And he's like, oh, yeah. at least she learned it. Because that's yeah, what she Han does to Chewie so and can, Solo. Yeah, talk, talk to one of that. It's a good point. that They, they make a point in about trans, the Trandoshian Jedi, Skir, Skier, or whatever his name is. Skier. That, like, you don't, you don't get a lot of Trandoshian Jedis because the culture on... Trandoshia, I imagine that's what the planet's called. Like a the culture race. on Trandoshia doesn't allow for it. Yeah, uh, they're predators and hunters, which doesn't necessarily allow for it. So, force-sensitive Trandoshians don't normally get picked up. And on the flip but side, of it, obviously, yeah, you've got an evil Gungan for the Nile called Wetbub, whose nickname <laughs> yes. is literally because he got covered in blood once after a battle. Is it amazing? And whenever I was reading, I, I, I it was Jar Jar Binks in my head. Like, that's the voice that I was no, using? No, he was just a dude to me, because his syntax was, was completely different, because he was just, like... I think he said boss man once, but other than that, it was just speaking, like, regular English. So he just had, like, a deep, gruff voice to me, like... Was he just a dude for you? Well, he was a Gungan, and he had an eye patch. I don't know <laughs> if I ever described that, but to me, he had an eye patch. Cause to that, you? Well, he was a pirate, wasn't he? Well, yeah, they all well, had eye patches. <laughs> but, yeah, well, speaking of um, characters that are from the original trilogy, other than Yoda, can you name anyone else? who was in the original trilogy, sorry, the prequel trilogy, who was in this book, which completely caught me off guard. Is it going to be another one of the Jedi Masters? Yeah. That's it. That's as far as, that's that was it. That was my guess. Yariel Poof. One of the Jedi Masters. Who's that one? Which Jedi Master is that? I can't remember his race. He looks like a Kaminoan. He's got like a long, oh, white neck. Oh, and he's in, the, he's in a background scene. Yeah. He's, he, he never speaks or anything. He's no. just in the background scene. But he's scene. super old. This way you know. Yeah, that's him. <laughs> I wish you guys could see Peter. Yeah, I, I, I did a, I did a sweaty neck. But yeah, he's in it as well. I didn't realise he was so old. So him and Yoda are both still on the council by the time the uh, prequels uh, roll around. Well, Yoda becomes a big boss man. And I don't think there is a big boss man in uh, on the council, you know, the Grand Master. No, I don't think there is. This, no. Unless it is Yoda and he's just... Off on one at the moment. <laughs> he's too young. He's just a mere 700 years think. old at that point. Oh, yeah, you can't be the Grandmaster of the Jedi if you're only 700. Oh, Silly me. This is something I forgot to mention before when we were talking about like progression of technology and stuff. Um, I think we spoke about it in our Phantom Menace episode. The fact that Coruscant is a city planet, but it's never really acknowledged where it came from. It just is a city planet. Like, boom, that's a fact right there. It's always been a city planet. But then it acknowledges that mountain all the time in, in Light of the Jedi, where no matter who builds a, um, a building... The tip of the mountain's always sticking out. It's the last, like the last mountain on Coruscant. Oh yeah, that that where where Le- Lena So gets introduced. She's there, and she, yeah. she goes to see the. It's like the, it's like a tourist attraction. Like people who've lived yeah. their whole lives on this city planet, they go. They want to see a mountain, so they go to this like just tip of a mountain that's like just higher than like one of the buildings. But it's like probably like Disneyland, and I'm sure doesn't she say at some point that actually the buildings have started to rise higher than the mountain? But <laughs> it's the last bit of. Original uh, original chorus on yeah. before, so, but they, before yeah, they need to cut. they need to preserve it, and that's a really cool little extra bit of lore that you don't need you don't need to know that about chorus on yeah but it's cool to know it, it is really cool to know shit yeah this like char- characterizes parts of this world even more and even better oh hold that thought Pete great. There's, there's a bit more interference I think Jade's trying to get back on oh what a dickhead I know Which is, why won't you just let us keep his podcast we're having so much fun. I'm trying to fight him off, but I think he's going to get on again. Aha! I've done it this time! Oh, Jesus Christ. Again? We're not even done yet. Oh, boo-hoo! 
Let me just get my tiny violin so I can provide the soundtrack for your criminally insane sub story. That was a bit of a wordy comeback, Jay. Fuck you. How is that for a comeback? Better, actually. Yeah, much more succinct. Look, I'll let you guys off if you just cut this out and hand back control to me right now. <laughs> let us off? What are you going to do if we don't? Yeah, you can have your podcast back when we're done with it. You don't know the true power of the dark side. <laughs> wow. He's not getting any less. That guy's calm. got serious anger problems. I know. He's got his lightsaber out on Ev. <laughs> I think our time is limited. We better hurry up. Bloody hell. Should we talk about the... the this uh, fancast? The, well, I've got a couple of other cool points. The Ulf, the Ulfrona, um The Ulfrona contingent of Jedi. So, like, Bell and Engel Porter and, um, and Dearest Oaks and stuff. Yes. I didn't care too much for them. The whole chase scene. It was cool. The chase scene where they're trying to rescue the hostages. But that... With like the magnetic you, horses. Yeah, if you if you put a, an an ore planet in any other franchise, it would not be cool. But for some reason, on, yeah. on Star Wars, they put animals that pair with it with the steelies that make sparks when they run. Um, yeah, and I, I don't know about you, but to me, it sounded like the the Jedi of Elfrona had themselves a hound doom. That's all I was imagining when they were when they were describing Ember. Yeah, yeah, the the pet. Yeah, no, that's a good. Yeah, it's a good point. They were like, that's yeah, exactly and he looks mottled fur, and I was like, was no, described. to me, it's just a houndoom. Nope. Stop your description uh, right there, Chelsea. You should have just said, <laughs> and out came Ember, who was a Pokemon. <laughs> yes, you should have done. But not a Growlithe. Not the not the pretty dog Pokemon. I don't know what a Hellhound. But that was quite a cozy dynamic at that outpost. It was like a little family. Yeah, I love, I, I love that with you know your, your ex soldier, like Porter, who makes you makes you your nine egg soup. The nine egg stew, mm. that nine egg stew sounded gross, but the way that they raved about it made me really want some. I, I in my head, it's kind of like ramen, but instead of one egg floating on the top, <laughs> it's like nine. nine. <laughs> <laughs> That's just what it was in my head—a little bit like ramen, like ramen, but but, but more eggs. The, the whole outpost idea is pretty cool. That. The Jedi have outposts on various planets that, and they can they can sort of strike out and help within like the vicinity. And I like how Bell sort of describes how he, he fucking hates being on Elfrona. Yeah, like it's so boring and nothing happens, and he hates looking at it, and it's a horrendous landscape. It's However, too hot. he fucking loves the temple. Yeah, he loves being in the temple. I loved that. I loved Bell like at the start when he's when he's in the Vector with his master Loden. And he's like, um, in his head, he calls his ship the Nova. He's like, in, he kn- he knows he's not meant to to get attached to things, but he calls the ship the Nova. But he'll never tell, yeah. he'll never tell anyone. And it just shows how like, how kind of like imperfect the Jedi are. Like they're, they're meant to be masters of controlling their emotions, but they're probably all doing stuff like that. They like, won't tell anyone. But I'm going to think of this in this way. And and later on, and it makes it makes Loden... Anakin seem much more understandable as well. In the yeah, main he, like, he, bec- he becomes a bit less weird, doesn't it? Like less sort of out of it just because oh he's in love with someone and now he does he's a bit of a maverick and a bit of a rogue because lots of Jedi's like El- Elzar Man becomes a master at the end of this and he's a maverick and yeah. a rogue he's he, he's Anakin Skywalker if Anakin Skywalker wasn't so filled with rage trauma yeah. basically um, but you go, going back to the the Nova thing like at the, it, it's an that's mentioned at the start and it's like oh okay well this doesn't go anywhere but then later on when when Loden basically kicks uh, kicks Bell out of the out of the <laughs> yeah. the vector to save the the hostage who's falling down to the ground, which is where Bell 
finally learns how to slow his descent. Doesn't it say something um, like, if you succeed, then you'll survive. If not, then you've lived well, or something really kind of yeah, blunt like that. Yeah, he's good one, or something like that. But um, So he kicks him, and uh, loading in his head, like, makes, I think he makes some sort of connection to either Bell himself or to the vector that they're in, and he realises that, I think he that, said he'd heard him that call this is it what Bell's done. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, oh, I wish I'd told him that I was okay with it. Yeah, he was like, he's because like he this book ends and we it. don't know what's going on with Loden. We don't know what he's he's a hostage. We don't know, we don't know if he's going to get out. We don't know if him and Bell are going to see one one another again. Yeah. I can't wait to find out. I really love this book. And and Bell has uh, basically earned his way to being a Jedi Knight, but isn't, he won't graduate without his master there. Like he he doesn't want to be knighted without Loden there. So he's, yeah, he's, he's kind of like he, in purgatory. Does he become? Who's who's uh, Padawan does he become at the end? I don't think he gets one, does he? It's the the girl that's on Elfrona. Oh, Indira. Doesn't she Indira. take them? Indira yeah. doesn't Indira take oh, take him under possibly. her wing? Maybe. I did really like we'll the uh, the ending. I do have an issue with it. I have I have two issues, two main like story issues. Okay. And they both relate back again to Star Trek. I'm sorry if there's no Star Trek fans listening, but <laughs> in Star Trek Discovery, there is a piece of technology called the Spore Drive, which basically allows them to jump anywhere in the universe along this thing called the Mycelial Network. They travel via mushrooms, whatever. It's not important. But that's set like way early in the timeline, and that technology doesn't exist in like Next Generation, in Voyager, um, the original series. Apart from now it does, because it's canon. And they've just said, we're just not going to talk about it. <laughs> There's two pieces of technology in this book, in this, in Light of the Jedi, that basically fall into that category now. There's the massive array that Kevin Tarr makes, because they fix it, and they're like, oh yeah, and now we can use it to you know predict events that would have been almost impossible to predict. And also the fact that um, Avar Chris and Elzar Man make it rain with the Force to cool down that array. Badass. That was super cool. That was so cool. And then also the second piece of technology is this ability that the Nile have to skip wherever they want. Why would they not skip to Starlight Beacon at the end where they know there's so many important Jedi there and blow it to smithereens? Is is that not... It's like the Avengers having time travel at the end of Endgame. They're so OP now. But is is that not... So, so they can skip anywhere, but then that, doesn't that come under the the light speed skipping that we spoke about earlier, is that not just what that becomes? That they have... I mean, maybe. The, the way it's spelled out to me, or the way I, what I took from it, is that they can now travel wherever they want, whenever they want. I might have... Well, my, my takeaway from it as well is that they could do that, although all the ones that do that end up dead, and there are only two people that know how to do that, which is Marshawn Rowe, who arguably doesn't actually know how... Yeah, true. It's happened, and the the Santeca character—I forgot her first name. Mary. Mary Santeca. She, she she's come up with all these hyperspace calculations to make the Nile. And she's going to die like any day. Battle. So as soon as she dies, Marchum Row is like, yeah, his grasp on the Nile is like gone, pretty much. So at this point, there's lots of things that exist here that obviously don't exist 230 years in the future. But then that just means, to me at least, that some great disaster is going to happen. So as far as I know, this leads me on to a point that I was thinking of, as far as I know, Starlight Beacon doesn't exist anymore. And uh, Chancellor So's her, didn't she, she's got a couple of, I forgot, forgets what she calls them. Like she's projects that she wants oh, to accomplish. Uh, great works. Great works. She wants to accomplish all these great works. 
like like she wants loads of starlight beacons all over the galaxy and you know they might exist but I never spoke about in the prequels which is fine they, they don't have to speak about everything um, but then in my head I'm like ah they don't exist which means that something fucking terrible happens yeah the, the Republic is no longer a high Republic 200 years in the future which means that something fucking terrible is going to happen at some point although to be fair they don't call it the High Republic while it's the High Republic no of course that's like Guns N' Roses releasing a recent album in the 80s and going have you heard our new classic rock album and people are like they don't realise the good thing until it's gone. <laughs> and then they call themselves the Low Republic. <laughs> the Medium Republic. <laughs> so it ends with the opening ceremony of Starlight Beacon, which sounds very exciting. Loden Greatstorm mm. is captured with a broken leg, and that hack that March and Roe uses to keep him from using the Force is so dark. He keeps those people in, in yeah. the cages either side of him, like, tortured on the cusp of consciousness. They're electrocuting them so that the pain is masking his ability to use the Force. And that's like, that is yeah. really dark. <laughs> yeah, he, he can't use the Force because of all the pain around him. Yeah, it's, dis- it's cool. like distracting him and hurting him. But that's, that's like, such a creative way to keep a Jedi hostage. I know. It's, 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 very, it's very cool. There's, like, there's... Loads of cool things like that. We spoke about them, but yeah, yeah, I love that. So evil. And then you get the the, the <laughs> dynamic between Aval Chris and Elzar Man revealed. They probably bonked when they were Pad- a bit like Anakin and Padme. If Padme was a Jedi, they absolutely bonked. They probably did bonk. We can't know for sure, but it's heavily implied they bonk. Yes. It wouldn't be. It would be only more obvious if Elzar pulled out the condom that they used the last time they bonked. <laughs> It's like, remember this? <laughs> I do. I keep it in my space wallet. That's me closing my space wallet, by the Put way. Put That's the away. only reason it would be more obvious. <laughs> Sniffing it as it goes in. <laughs> so, yeah, the two immediate things that need to be addressed in the next one, which I cannot wait for, are how is Loden going to get rescued? Does he get rescued? Fucking hope so. Uh, mm-hmm. Elzar's vision of seeing all his mates getting fucking... Yeah, the end of the Jedi, basically. Like, what is yeah, that? They're all dead. Um, but yeah, other than that, I think we're done. Other than the fan cast. Should we get to the fan cast? To the fan cast. So, first of all, we've spoken briefly about this, that we, we both initially had the same Avar Chris, but ditched them for a different actor because yes. we didn't like the thought of them playing the role. Was yours originally Jodie Whittaker? Uh, no, mine was um, Brie Larson. Oh wow! Okay, I had Brie Larson. I, I, when I was reading through the High Republic, I had Brie Larson, i.e., Captain Marvel, uh, playing Avar Chris, but I didn't want it to be. Didn't want it to <laughs> That's be. That's what mine was like. I had Jodie Whittaker, and I was like, "No, stop it!" Because she looked. She got the same haircut, face shape on the on <laughs> yeah. the artwork on the front, um, and she just have a Sheffield yeah, I, accent, which would not fit in Star Wars. I've thought. So, I thought so hard about it, but who I settled on. I, I settled on two. I, I had two. You, you're making me settle on one. So the one that I settled on was uh, an actress called Emma Appleton, who you'll remember from The Witcher. She played Renfrey. Okay. The, the brunette uh, one. Who, yeah, that's who I settled on. Uh, she's a little bit young. I think she's only 29, 30. And in my head, Avar Chris was sort of mid-30s. Yeah. Uh, but that's not too much an issue. Okay. Maybe we'll just make this in five years. I mean, time. obviously, she'd dye her hair blonde for the role, or you know, yes. you want to go to jail. Yeah, straight to jail. <laughs> by the way, I, I quite, I quite liked her for this. Like, I, I have only seen her as Renfrey in 
um, The Witcher. I'm not sure what else she's been in, but I thought she was really good. No, she was. She was good. So I think she was a really good actress. It's a totally different character. Renfrey's this sort of tortured princess um, who is who's the bad guy of that particular episode. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I think I, I think she could she could pull off Avar Chris. The the other one that I had that I've not given the role to was Jodie Whittaker, <laughs> but with the exception that she has to have a drama school accent, not a Yorkshire accent. That was the stipulation that I had. If Jodie Whittaker's getting the role... Uh, so you lied to me, it was originally it, Jodie Whittaker? No, it wasn't. It was originally um, Brie Larson. Oh, shit, yeah, okay. But, one of the, but one of the two that I couldn't choose between until you told me that you hated Jodie Whittaker for the role. With Jodie Whittaker. Jodie Whittaker's the other end of this, in that I think she's late thirties, and so she's slightly too old for the role. But then I think she looks at that. That, that, that no, she doesn't look at it at all. Uh, that didn't particularly yeah. uh, bother me. My Ava, who, uh, my Ava Chris, who's your Ava Chris? Was originally Jodie Whittaker, and then I just I, I came up with a different idea and stuck with that, and I was like, yes, Rachel Taylor. You will know her as Trish in Jessica Jones. Oh, okay. Okay, 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 okay. No she's similar. I think no, she's no, a little no, bit no, older. Okay. She's maybe late 30s. She doesn't look it. And the role that she plays in Jessica Jones, she puts up with so much shit and doesn't break until, like, right at the end. But the way that she plays being under pressure would sit really well with me for Avar Chris. That's cool. Did you, you have, did you have Avar Chris as... Uh, what was her accent? Was she British? Was she American? British, yeah. Yeah. My, my Avar was... I wouldn't mind like if she was said, American, though. Sort of dra- drama schooly. She was very... Um, very proper with her pronunciation, I thought. I, I initially, before we set out the rules for this fan cast, I had um, Helen Mirren in her 30s <laughs> for this role. Uh, that was the kind of demeanour that I wanted uh, okay. for, for, for Avar Chris. Was a very well, you could Helen just Mirren show role. you could show Renfrey, what's her name? Yeah, uh, just Emma Appleton. Footage of, of, of uh, Emma Appleton footage of Helen Mirren in her, in her 30s. Yeah. So well, Emma, Emma Appleton has a very normal accent, but yeah. Re- Rachel Taylor's casting inspired my Elazar Man casting because I couldn't really think of anyone, but I thought if you make the, those two hot as hell, it will make the whole dynamic <laughs> of them wanting to bonk again so much more damn extreme. My Elazar Man, yeah. and you might balk at this, is Zac Efron. Okay, no, I'm not balking at it. It's, 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 it's. I think that's the right. That's the that's the right Demeanor. pathway to take with Elzar Man. Uh, he might be a bit too famous for Star Wars, but I don't think that matters so much anymore. Maybe in my head, Elzar was American. He was he was cool. He was yeah. So I'm 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 okay with the Zac Efron thing. Uh, mine was uh, Richard Madden, a la from Game of Thrones. Uh, he plays Rob Stark in Game of Thrones. He is. I will have to Google him. Yeah, you'll have to Google him. He's, he's in The Eternals, uh, coming up Marvel film. Richard, Richard Madden, he's he's not American, in fairness. But, um, no, yeah, I'll have to check later. I don't know what he looks like, and I'm on airplane mode at the moment. Fair play, fair play. Um, he's, he's a very handsome man. He sort of fits the fits the mid-30s sort of, sort of dynamic. It, he's, he's not an American man. He'd have to do an American accent for me. Luckily, uh, he is an actor, so might, might be quite good. But, yeah, he's he's a he's a Scottish gentleman who does a decent Northern accent in Game of Thrones. So surely you can do a decent North American accent. You would hope so. You would hope. Okay. Did you ever watch uh, Bodyguard on BBC? No. Oh, okay. Moving on then. <laughs> Moving on. He's the main character in that. Now, this one was a point of contention to me. Loden Great Storm. 
Um, I'm so happy with my loading grace. I'm gonna go you can I'm hate gonna, it. I'm going to go first, and I'm going to I'm going to go through all the ones that I have. All of these could play in for me. You struggled with loading, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, but I've put them all. I put them all to the side now, and I've picked one. But these are all the ones that didn't get the role. Anthony Starr. Who's he? That is Homelander from The Boys. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. Idris Elba. Okay. Jason Momoa. Okay. Brendan Fraser. <laughs> okay. The one that got the role was Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Uh, Negan. Yeah. From. Okay. I think he has that kind of dark, sarky energy, but could also flip it on his head. And, yeah. and you get the reward of him being nice to you when you've done well in your training. Okay. Okay. Although I'm I can't like, see him without the beard, so I'm imagining that. a Twi'lek with a beard, which is just such a weird, <laughs> a weird thing. But I'm, t- I'm speaking. He's obviously being prosthetic, but yeah. Maybe it would be a tendril, or a, a, a leco, oh, I hope whatever not. they call them. Just imagine it. Ugh. Picture it. <laughs> Uh, mine, my load and great storm. I had him from the very, very beginning. For me, was um, Kevin McKidd. Do you know who Kevin McKidd is? I don't. What's he from? He's uh, in my head. It was he, he plays uh, character Lucius Verinus in Rome. If you've ever watched that, <laughs> this these uh, are some niche castings. No, no, he's not. But he he has been in Star Wars before. But when you live as long as I have, you see the same eyes in different people. Um, so he plays uh, Fen Rao in Rebels. You have to jog my memory. He's a Mandalorian uh, who Part of Death Watch. Sta- starts as a bad guy in Rebels. He starts yeah, yeah, yeah. as a bad guy, but he ends up being a good guy and he helps Sabine take back... Spoilers if you've not seen Rebels. Uh, Mandalore. That's who. That's who he is. Let me see if I've still got the his voice up. Show you his voice. So you 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 cast him based on his voice. Yeah, completely and utterly because of his voice. Um, yeah, uh, get a so, body double for the actual but, He's he's he doesn't. Have like a. This is I don't know quite how to make this sound, not homoerotic, but he doesn't have a body that couldn't play a buff tweet twilly. <laughs> okay. uh, but his his voice just it seemed it's it's very it's it very powerful it's very imposing. Okay. But equally of the the same regard, it's for me he he could he could give you that sort of sarcastic energy back when when Bell does something that works. Do you, do you know, when Bell does something good, he can, yeah, he can yeah. use his really powerful voice to give like a really sincere, but sarcastic sounding, funny sounding <laughs> uh, praise, which I think is loading great storm to a T. Okay, so Bell Zetifar, I've got Ika Darville. You might recognise him again from Jessica Jones as Malcolm Ducass. Uh, the guy that lives down the the hall. Yes, possibly a bit it. old, but it's never really said how old Bell is. And like Obi Wan was like twenty five when he was knighted, and I'm that was only because he beat Darth Maul. Bell is supposed to be about seventeen, eighteen years old, but it wouldn't that. really matter. We're going all over the place with ages a little bit. <laughs> uh, my my Bell Zetifer is the actor Caleb McLaughlin from Stranger Things. Oh, the young kid. Yeah, yeah. 
So he's not a young kid anymore. He's literally he's like twenty Lu- years old is it now. Lucas, his name in that. I think is I think it's Lucas. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but he's he's my bell. That's uh, a good he's, he's he's young enough. I think he's got. He's he's really funny in Stranger Things. He's one of the better actors in Stranger Things. Um, and all you need to do is he either grows his hair out or put some dreads on him in uh, that, in the makeup room. That is a very good casting. That's possibly one and of he's the best ones. Sorted. I was completely on board with that when I realised. I was like, "Fuck yes, Caleb McLaughlin." <laughs> okay, uh, Porter Engel, who you originally didn't want to do, and I really like Porter Engel. Yeah, was, we we went for it. I've I've got a, a we reason. Learned, we learned so much about him and how the Jedi teach older Jedi treat older Jedi masters through his story. We're like. We find out once they get to a certain age, they're just given like a honeymoon suite on Coruscant yeah. where they can just live out their days and not really do much anymore. But he didn't do, want to do, do that. Do what you want, basically. He wanted he to carry on. To, he chooses to become and like a chef. Three hundred years old. My porter Engel is Robert Beltran, who is Commander Chakotay in Star Trek Voyager. It's over my head. Sorry, you have ha- to. He has. He has that kind of image later. very wise. Uh, side to him but he does have the intensity when he needs it which is when he becomes the blade of Bardotta um, <laughs> Porter Engel does he'll need that as well and I thought he was awesome he'd be really good for it I see my my Porter Engel was uh, Viggo Mortensen who plays Aragorn in the Lord of the Rings uh, how old is he now will he be old enough for that it's like 60, 60s odd 50s 60s odd is he uh, yeah yeah my my reasoning for that is that in my head, my Porter Engel was kind of it's a, a a warrior, not gone to seed, but a warrior who's sort of past his peak. He's let himself chub out a little bit. Yeah. Um, but he can still give it the but, beans. But yeah, exactly. He he would fuck you up at any given occasion. He doesn't necessarily look the part quite so much anymore because he's got he's gone maybe he's gone a little podgy, maybe his hair's gone a little bit grey, maybe his muscles aren't quite as maybe they're more sinewy than they used to be. But he would absolutely fucking ruin you. Like you wouldn't want to mess with Mike Tyson anymore, even though he's retired. Kind exactly. Of thing. Yeah. Maybe that that kind of energy. And for me, Viggo Mortensen does that. How do you uh, think? How do you think? Because it says a lot in in this book how certain Jedi view the Force, which is dead cool. So like, Avar Chris hears it as like a, a song, a when, song. When, and then when there's discordant notes, she knows there's something wrong. Elzar um, sees it as a, a the ocean, doesn't it? A bottomless yeah, like ocean. An endless bottomless ocean. Do you think Engel Porter would see it as just like eggs? <laughs> Specifically, nine eggs. Nine eggs. If there's Floating any more or any fewer, he knows there's something wrong. Exactly. He, he goes eight to bed eggs and he goes, in my stew. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Everybody get up. <laughs> we're leaving. We're leaving El Uh We're getting into the uh, the chaff of characters. Well, the order they're in, anyway. We're up to the villains, and also I've I've got a, a Chancellor, Lena So. I've got a Kevin Tarr, well. too. Have you not got a Kevin Tarr? Uh, I don't have a Kevin Tarr. My Kevin Tarr is Akiva Schaefer, who is the third guy in Lowly Island. <laughs> that is... I, I don't know. <laughs> He's just who if I imagine. If it's not Jake Peralta, then I don't know. Lonely He's Island. been in Brooklyn Nine Nine. Oh, was like, he? He was like in Brooklyn Nine Nine. I can't remember, but they go to like a health and safety meeting, and Jake like fails it because he does something wrong in the waiting room, and he just goes, "Get out!" He's like, "Oh God, the the guy. It's uh, is it the guy who's who's got no depth perception because he's blind in one yeah. eye, and <laughs> yeah, he crashes him. he crashes into the water cooler. Yeah, and he's and like, he I told you to move the water cooler. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's him." Yeah, he's, not, okay. he's not done a lot of acting, but when he does act, he's he's, he's got it. And he was just who I was seeing when I was watching the. Uh, I I, was, like, I, I kind of had. Him. I didn't do it. I didn't do this casting, but my my Kevin Tarr was maybe someone more similar to. 
Oh shit! What's it? Zachary Quinto, Quinto, so Spock. Oh really? From uh, wow, th- that, that was is the that was opposite end of the that, spectrum. That was sort of where I was going with Kevin Tarr. Hang on, Kevin Tarr's the the nerd who makes the solar array, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. You can't have Zachary Quinto as a nerd. Yeah, you can. Have you not seen Heroes? No. Uh watch Heroes, mate. He does he's, play Spock. Spock is a bit of a nerd. He's literally he's the, a he's science the, he's officer. The ba- he's the bad guy in Heroes, but he's a dead nerdy bad guy. And he, anyway, it, yeah. It, so that's kind of the area that I was going with. Okay. Zachary Quinto, but Zachary Quinto is a little bit old, we, maybe for Kevin Tarr that I was thinking of. You open up with your Supreme Chancellor Lena So. Uh, my Supreme Chancellor, Lena So, was immediately... Now, Lena So doesn't get described as what she looks like in the slightest. She's no, just she a chancellor. She was uh, Gina Torres to me. So Gina Torres is um, Zoe in Firefly. She is the... Have you seen Suits? No. Well, how old oh. is Zoe now, though? Because Firefly was years ago. Uh, I don't know. Uh, uh, Gina Torres is probably like 40s, 50s now. See, that's too that, old. To that's me. where I was going. Do you think? Yeah. No, no. For me, she was older, like more like uh, Gina Torres isn't old by any stretch of the imagination. But that's where I was going with it. She's she's an angel. She's the bad guy in one of the series of Angel. She's like the boss of the. She's the boss of the suits. <laughs> Whatever the law firms call. She's the, the boss of, of the suits. suits. <laughs> she's the boss of the suits. Now she's another one who's also been in Star Wars before. She also voices a character on Rebels. Just let me uh, refresh. Gina Torres, name? Rebels. She voices Sabine Wren's mate. This <laughs> uh, <laughs> bottom of the barrel casting this. <laughs> Ketsu. On- no, no. She's a really fam- she's a famous actress. She voices um, Ketsu Onyo. You know who's, who's Sabine's? Yeah, who's Sabine's mate, uh, Mandalorian mate, who's gone bounty hunting. But like okay. immediately, that was my that was my chancellor. So just it, they didn't even it didn't uh, describe her. But that's just who she was. Straight mine away. was mine was Jessica Alba. <laughs> You've gone for a sexy casting. I've gone for a sexy casting, but only because I I saw a more kind of like a Padme kind of like young prodigy kind of chancellor. Oh, you see, I, I went the other way. I I went for. State, not not. I don't want to say stately politician because again, that makes me that makes Gina Torres sound really old, and she's not. <laughs> she's but she's, about she's the same more age of Jessica Alba, but Jessica maybe. Alba still looks like nineteen years old. More of a more of a politician, less of. A, you just want to put Jessica. You just want to put her on a. I, I just want on, to on a poster. Her. Yeah, you just want to put her on a poster <laughs> and sell tickets. Should we do March in a Row next, or save him till last? Uh, save him till last. Okay. You you had a strong idea for a Kassav. Uh, yeah, my Kassav was Tom Felton. Oh, um, Draco. Yeah, he's smarmy enough. He's wiry enough. Uh, I had him older than that. Well, Tom Felton's sort of like thirty odd. I had him like fifty. Well, I've I've gone Did Jim. You? I've gone Jim Cummings, who voices Hondo. <laughs> You've gone for Hondo. I've gone well, for Hondo. Like in my head, it was Hondo's voice because he's the same. Species as Hondo, but when I was thinking about a casting, I was like, Tom felt he's wiry enough, he's he's evil enough, he's got a ratty enough face to stick in that makeup, and that is a good casting. That yeah, that's who I had. Uh, you're 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 gonna love my Lorna D, and you're not gonna want your Lorna D anymore. Okay, Alison Brie. But, well, yeah. Now I now I don't want anything but your Lorna, your <laughs> Alison Brie Lorna D. <laughs> I think she. Al- Alison Brie is my absolute celebrity crush. 
Absolute celebrity cross out. And now, so is Lorna D. Uh, yes. Mine was uh, Thandie Newton. Um, I know she's been in Star Wars before, but again, once you've been alive as long as I have, you start seeing the same eyes in different people, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> what was she in Star Wars? Uh, she's, I don't know who she plays. She's in, uh, what's it called? She's in Solo. She gets blown up on the bridge in Solo, doesn't she? Is she part of the heist gang? Yeah, she's part of the heist gang. Well, then she can't be in it. If she's already been in live action... Nope. We have to have Alison Brie. All right, we'll have Alison Brie, that's fine. And if anyone doesn't know Alison Brie, she plays... um, Annie. Uh, Oh, my God, I was going to shout at you then. (laughs) (laughs) Annie in Community. She's in Glow as well. Do you think think she could be evil enough? Yeah. Okay. You remember in the Darkest Timeline episodes, she was pretty evil in them. No, she's just, she's like she's just slutty in it. Yeah, she's a twi'lek. I mean, I mean, I'm not I'm not saying no to this casting. <laughs> but uh... let's just all admit it's a little off brand. <laughs> okay, so marching route was the one you were very excited about. I've had one, but I've had one. I've had an idea since like doing this podcast. Have you? Well, just throw in as an honourable mention because I'm not going to change my okay. mind last minute. Do you want me to go first? Or do you want you to go first? Uh, you go first. Go on, ladies first. The honourable mention I'll throw in was Peter Sarafenowitz. Okay. But I went with Sasha Baron Cohen. <laughs> okay. I think he'd be dead good. Do you reckon? Because he can play the weedy, and he can do it. Sorry, that's just not what well. I was expecting. I'm not saying it's, not, it's I'm not saying it's bad. It's just not what I was expecting. I was not expecting for you to say the Borat could be in Star Wars. <laughs> but that's okay. That's okay. He can be. That's the beauty of Star Wars. You can be anybody. Um, I had two very disparate ideas for Martian Rowe. I had one that was slightly more physically imposing, uh, and one that was very, very weedy, but then also plays a really good villain. Uh, who I went with was the slightly more physically imposing one. I went with Wes Chatham, who plays Amos in The Expanse. Yes. Uh, he's who I went with. I don't think he's tall enough, though. He was. I, I, I don't think that necessarily bothers me. I think watching Amos in the Expanse, Amos is a good guy, but he's very. He's only a good guy because he's on the crew of of good people. The good guy, yeah. Like he could very easily be a bad guy, very very easily. He's he's got very little, very little conscience and very little morals of his own. He always uses all the, the the people around him's morals. He uses. Which may, which means that Amos is quite can be quite a dark character. Is he, you haven't cast him though. No, I have. I have cast him. The one that I didn't cast was Freddie Highmore, who is uh, the thingy in Bates Motel. Have I've you seen Bates that Motel? That, that, that's, oh, the, that's the Psycho prequel. Yeah, so he's dead skinny and dead weedy, and doesn't look a thing physically imposing. Imposing, but he's like. Um, He's got an atmosphere about him. Yeah, well, he he plays a, an absolute nutter in Bates Motel, and uh, yeah, he's he's who I had uh, for when I, I couldn't I couldn't decide. Then I was like, no, no, no. Based on how the book ends, it kind of has to be someone I think a little bit more like Wes Chatham. That's okay. where I went with anyway. And, and we agreed was... on none of them. I know. I thought we would That's get not the, what the I only thought. crossover or kind of half crossover was the Jodie Whittaker. But we, we were closest on Jodie Whittaker. <laughs> yeah, she, yeah, she didn't make it for other people. <laughs> 
Yeah, I was expecting at least one crossover casting, but apparently there are too many actors and too few characters. <laughs> Which is weird, because all of mine have been in Star Wars before in some way, shape or form. Who'd have thought that I could have picked people that hadn't been in Star Wars? Me. Or sci-fi. So, should we... We'll let Jay on in a minute, because he's still trying to get back on. I can see him oh, working away. Poor guy, doesn't know how the internet works. On the sick, <laughs> he's trying his best. He's born in the eighties and he just doesn't get the internet. Yeah, the eighteen eighties. <laughs> so I can't hold him off any longer. So before he comes back on, we'll abide by Talk Nerdy to Me's rules. You can't have halves; they have to be full numbers. Okay. What are you giving Light of the Jedi out of ten? I'm giving it an eight out of ten. Ooh. I don't want to plumb too high. I don't want to say that it's a nine because then you know it's got very little room to to grow as a series i'm gonna give it an eight out of ten i thought it was great eight out of ten is not a shit score by any stretch of the imagination i'm excited to see where the high republic in general goes from here i'm caught between a seven and an eight well you've got to round it up you've got to round it down i might go for a 7.5 no, you just literally said <laughs> that you can't do halves. Well, I was driving home earlier and I was thinking what I was going to give it and I was like, I think it sits at about a seven because I really liked it, but there wasn't. it was all introductory stuff pretty much. There was a, yeah. lot, of, there was a lot of depth for an, for an introductory. It lays a lot of groundwork book. for what I hope is a great series. Yeah. Well, I hope it's a great series that has a defined ending as well. I hope they don't drag the High Republic on too much. I hope maybe they do it for maybe the next two years. And well, then it's got a definite ending. That's my hope for it. They'll flesh it out as much as they can, I think. Because, I mean, there's two books out now and they're happening alongside each other. And I think that's yeah. where they've, that's, that's they've realised the action is. Yeah, like, I think... Like, like the last few, four episodes of Clone Wars are running mm-hmm. alongside... I think... Um, the, Revenge of the Sith. They, they've got, like... Uh, I've, I've, I've done a bit, a bit of research into the, the publications and stuff, but it seems to me... Like, they've got one mainline series, one mainline book, sorry, so The Light of the Jedi being the mainline book, and then they've got another one that's a side story. So, the um, Into, Into the, the Dark, Dark would be the side story. You, you get to know the characters a lot better in Into the Dark. And it is than you do so fucking readable. In Light of the Jedi. <laughs> yeah, it's great. It's great. Um, so, yeah, my heart, read that says, one as well. my heart says I should give it an 8 out of 10, and it's screaming to make me give it an 8 out of 10. But I think I have to give it a 7 out of 10. So, it's, this is averaging out as a 7.5, though. Because well, I've gone for an 8 and you've gone for a 7. Yeah, but we have our so let's round indiv- it up to an 8. No, we have our own individual rankings. It doesn't have to be an I know, but we, can't, but, we, but we can't do we can't do decimals, and it would it would decimalise as a 7.5. No, so we're going to have, have to round it up to an 8. So I was right either. in the wrong. <laughs> I'm saying 7, you're saying 8. Yep. Right. Jay is going to explode from what I can see on this uh, signal readout here if we do not That's let him on. That's pretty sexy. <laughs> so, before we let him on, because he's going to fucking rant and probably shout at us some more. If you Great. have enjoyed listening to us speak, if we've made you laugh, if we've made you cry, if you've in any way <laughs> found what Gushed we've done... liquid because of us. Yes, that too. Then follow us and listen to our main podcast instead of our side hustle of hijacking other people's podcasts at tell me again pod on facebook and instagram we're everywhere we're on spotify we are on google podcasts we're on apple podcasts and a lot of, a lot of other places but they're the main ones i forget all the other ones <laughs> yeah. we're easy to find forget about them so let's let him back in 
costume. I'm dressed like the Black Ranger. I can say Black Power, but when I'm dressed like the White Ranger, oh Jay, no, Jay. Hmm. Uh, have you been ranting this whole time? It's been so long. How did you not figure it out when we weren't answering you back? Because <laughs> th- th- this was a test, and and you failed. <laughs> Bullshit. Okay, yes, fine. I may have gotten a little carried away, but you hijacked my podcast. What What did you expect? I don't know. For you not to be such a little bitch about it. <laughs> yes, yes, you laugh now, but soon. Very soon, my plot to bring about your downfall will be wound away. And then, only then, will I reveal to you the full extent of my power. Sorry, Jay, I didn't quite catch that. What, what are you saying? <coughs> Sorry, no, nothing, nothing. Oh. <laughs> 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 oh, yes. We're done now, anyway. You can have your podcast back. <laughs> yeah, how generous. Ah, you are welcome. We're off. Yes. Bye. See ya. Yes, that's it. Walk away, walk away smiling and laughing. Little do you know in your ignorance that I have planned well ahead and I... That's record. Uh, uh, keep talking, nerdy! Ah, Star Wars! Nothing but Star Wars! Give me the Star Wars! Don't let them in! That nutty Star Wars bar Can you forget all the creatures in there? And hey, Darth Vader in that black and evil mask Did he scare you as much as he scared me? Ah! Star Wars Those near it Star Wars My seventh winner up here <laughs>